I want to introduce you to Deepti Pandi. She's one of these young people where five minutes after you meet her, you know she's destined to be successful. She's outgoing, curious, and smart. And even from a very young age, she's done and seen a lot. I was raised in Varanasi, India. When I was 18, I moved to Bangalore, India, which is a bigger city, a lot of tech ecosystem there. I learned a lot there. I finished my degree and it was a big change in itself because in Varanasi, it's it's a very religious, very conservative kind of place. Cut to it's Bangalore. It's so influenced by the American culture. We have a lot of people working for American companies from India. So that was kind of a big shift for me and my entire perspective of what the world is and what I can be in there changed when I made that shift from Varanasi to Bangalore. At university in Bangalore, Deepti fell into the entrepreneurship community. And so when she graduated, she decided to go join a startup. When I was working at Brunch, uh, California, they startup, but in India, I was there. I think I was the fifth person who was working for Brunch India. And it was a really small team. It was awesome. When I was onboarding, they invited me to the Redwood City, California office. And I met all these cool people in here. And there were a few people in particular who had done MBAs and, you know, other master's degrees. Branch, it's really interesting. There's mostly schools that people come from. One is Stanford University and the other is University of Michigan. And I heard about all these cool things, the kind of programs they had done. There was one person who had done, who had come to the School of Information and made it sound so cool. So I couldn't help but come back to India and check it out. And I saw that they had this human computers interaction program. And this was back in October uh, in 2018. And in October 2018, I knew that I want to go to one of these two schools, Stanford or Michigan. And I applied to both of them. I got accepted to Michigan, which was pretty exciting. And I got into the program that I wanted to get in. And it has been awesome. It's been two years and yeah, I cannot believe it's almost over. International students like DT make up about 15% of the student body at the University of Michigan. And they bring interesting new perspectives from about 50 countries around the world to this little Midwest city. They pay higher than average tuition. And in my experience, they're some of the most dynamic, interesting contributors to the entrepreneurship classes. So it didn't take DT long to start building her own entrepreneurship community in Ann Arbor and then find success. Before my entrepreneurship experience at the university, I just had a Google Doc of ideas that, you know, memory saver, doc keeper, and all those ideas. But once I got into the program, I got to evaluate them as, is it sustainable? Could this be a business? Will millions of people see value in it? Will it ever make money? Those kind of things were important things to consider. And I got through and I found out that my long list of like 36 ideas none of them were worth it. But I thought, I'll keep looking. I will keep looking for the one. I'll keep looking. And I graduated from the program in in December of 2020. And none of them worked out. But in January, I found something that was both close to my heart, could be a business, which was the idea I'm working on right now, Equihome. You can sign up to equihome.club if you find that interesting. I found out that gender inequality is still a big problem and one of the ways to fix that i did a lot of customer research online research social media discovery and interviews surveys found out that 
women have a big frustration, especially in heterosexual relationships, that men do not work out as much in, in the household labor as they could have. And I thought, huh, that's an opportunity. That's the thing that affects billions of people, families. This is something I could fix. I talked to so many people and they were excited. They're like, build it for me. You do it for me. And I thought, yes, yes, this is more valid. I think this is it. This is it. And then I applied to competitions, one innovation and action challenge, which at the university, it got me $10,000 to pursue this idea, which is a big deal, right? That is such a big validation. Then I got an entrepreneurship grant, which was $5,000. So more and more people were validating it. People on the internet, people at school, people who have money. I thought, I mean, I believe in it. Some people are believing in it. This is it, probably. Okay, I think I should do it. I should do it. I have the skills. I believe in it. Let's do it. And that's how I landed on in the situation we are at. It's not uncommon for people who love entrepreneurship to find their way to the United States. One in four American entrepreneurs are immigrants. 40% of new companies have an immigrant involved in their founding. And then in 2017, the Fortune 500 list of companies, nearly half of them were founded by immigrants or their children. So how did it go for Deep Tea? The day I won the award, I was like, okay, let's do it. And how to do it. I looked for people in the international communities just to see how have they been doing it, found no one. And by then I had already known that there is no other student that I could find. Then I got office hours with the International Center, asked them, do you know of someone? And the person who was talking to me, they said, don't do that. Just get a job. It's supposed to be a training period. After F1 visa, you get OPT, which is technically training. Get a job where there's somebody more experienced uh, above you, supervising you. That's not bad advice. It's just the same advice that every parent or career counselor is going to give. What's missing is somebody sitting on her other shoulder whispering, go for it. You can do it. I am an international person and that poses extra challenges. So it was not just about not having salaries. It was also about whether I'm allowed to stay here. I found out that there were certain ways to do it, which was to be an independent company, which is E-Verified and allowed to hire me, the founder, as an employee uh, of my own company. And that was a way, a legitimate, uh, great way to do it. But that still required me to have like a board of directors, which comprises largely of, you know, American people who could, who would kind of appoint me to be the founder or as an employee. And putting all that together was both confusing legally and time consuming. And by that time, I was already on my clock, which was like that 90 day period for unemployment before I get deported. So I thought that, well, that is unfortunate. And I started looking out and I started reaching out to my people at the university to see if there was like any job I could keep. So that's how I started the jobs and I'm still here. So that's, I think, all in all, not bad. Wait, we're going to deport her? This is a bad outcome where everybody's losing. My name is Brian Hayden. I teach Finding Your Venture at the University of Michigan Center for Entrepreneurship. And this is the first in a two episode series dedicated to international students 
wannabe entrepreneurs. To me, you embody the whole point of going to college. Just like we heard in Deep T's story, meeting people who've had different experiences and have a different perspective can change the trajectory of your life. The problem for entrepreneurship educators like me is that the U.S. immigration laws make it really hard for international students to start companies, and the rules change all the time, so the university doesn't give you the legal advice that you really need. We basically tell you to go get a job because it's safe. So I asked Deep T, with all these legal barriers that you're facing, why not just go back home and do your startup there? Remote work and distributed teams are kind of the norm now. You know, if the U.S. doesn't want you to start your business here, then screw them, right? I think it's a completely fair plan to go back home and do this all by myself. I have a good enough support system there. There is an entrepreneurial thing going on. I think if this does not work out, I would rather go back to India and do it than have a job that is not the love of my life uh, here. That's given. But I want to do it here because I think there is a cultural difference between the way things are fleshing out between the U.S. and India in the way that people or institutions who have funds are willing to spend those funds on large social changes. There, there are reasons for that. It's a richer country. We can afford to think about things beyond our personal silo. You know, In India, we are still as a community just struggling to get our basic ends made. And not to say we cannot do it in India. It's absolutely possible. It's just a little bit more challenging. The amount of money I have as a student right now before I even graduate which is like, I think like $20,000, $25,000 and more interest. I'm, I'm hoping to get more amount of money. That much money in India, it would take me at least an year and more and more validation. For $25,000 in India, they would ask me, how many users do you have? Are people using it and telling me? I don't have that here and people are still willing to bet on me. That's the big difference. And I think that is so much more encouraging, so much more freedom. And I think it comes from the way this country was created. It's just, I mean, we have our problems, sure, but it's, it's such a beautiful place to come and, you know, do awesome things. When I talk to people, I'm like, I'm doing this. They're like, yes, do it. In India, they'd be like, are you sure? How about get a job and do it on the side, you know, do it as a part-time, do it like a hobby. I'm like, but I'm changing the world. I can't change the world part-time. What are you saying? So that's the big difference, I think. And that's why I am interested in doing it here. If I can, if I'm allowed to, I'll do it here. So our next episode is going to be called Immigration Law for International Student Founders. And it's intended to be a primer for anybody who comes here for school and wants to build a company after they graduate. Finding Your Venture is funded in part by the University of Michigan Center for Academic Innovation. Episodes are short lessons from class that I teach with Mike McFall, who's the founder of Bigby Coffee. We like to pair a good story with every lesson so you can actually remember it. And you can explore the whole catalog of more than two dozen stories at our website, findingyourventure.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.